Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Well, I've been saying this on the podcast for weeks, and this time I really, really mean it. The elections are right around the corner. Tuesday, May 17th is primary day in Idaho. And if you're tired of campaign ads on TV, that has to be good news for you. So this week for the podcast, I talked to Rod Grammer, the CEO of Idaho Business for Education. That's how most of you know him. Rod and I go back a, a ways further than that. Um, Rod's a longtime State House reporter back in the day, and he's been watching Idaho politics for decades. And what I wanted to try to do with this podcast is talk about this election and how it compares to what we've seen in the past. Is it really different? And and Rod makes some really interesting points about how the financing of these races uh, feel different and how the issues feel different, how this is a, kind of a nationalized race, even at the state and local level. Here's our conversation. Well, Rod, thanks as always for coming on the podcast and talking politics with us. Uh, a week before the primary, we're, we're talking, it's Monday, uh, May 9th, as we're recording this. So we're heading into the home stretch. Let's first set the ground rules, because I think it's important as we talk about the elections, when we talk about Idaho Business for Education's view of the elections. First off, IBE's role as a nonprofit and how you view elections and, and how you're limited in terms of what you do in terms of endorsements. Right, Kevin. We can't endorse um, or uh, tell voters how to vote in this. We can't support a candidate uh, over another candidate. What we can do is try to educate the public and educate our members, uh, which we try to do mm -hmm. in various ways. Um, so whatever I say today is really uh, to try to educate, um, you know, help uh, your listeners understand what we think about the election and what's coming up. So obviously nothing precludes you from watching this really closely. So. As you've been watching it closely, as we head into the final week, what's jumped out at you? Kevin, this is the most um, amazing election I think I've ever seen in Idaho, primary election that is, in terms of um, some unprecedented things that are going on. And just for your list listeners' um, um, benefit, I... I go way back, I hate to even say this, but I go clear back to the early 70s in covering Idaho politics as a reporter. Um, and uh, throughout all these years, so that's almost uh, five decades, four and a half decades of following Idaho politics. And I have to say, there are a lot of things going on this election that I have never seen before in, in Idaho politics. Mm -hmm. Such as? Well, I think uh, those of us who follow politics all these years know that there, there have always, we've always said, well, there's more than one Republican party in Idaho. And that's, that's always been true, but it's never really been defined. And when we say that it's very loose, it's more split among the different ideologies within the Republican party. But we really do have at least two Republican parties that are official now, in mm -hmm. my mind. Uh, and the, way, the reason I say that is because we've got all these county central committees from Bonner County, Kootenai County to Bonneville County that is literally endorsing a slate of Republican candidates for office. That has never happened before. Mm -hmm. uh, the party is officially supposed to stay neutral in the primary, not endorse one uh, kind of candidate or another. 
But in this case, we've got all these counties that have a slate of candidates. They're making voters believe that these are officially endorsed by the Republican Party. And um, you've got the state party chair, Tom Luna, who is admonishing these counties, uh, central committees, uh, that have even donated money to their slate of candidates. And he's telling them, you can't do that. And these local Republican central committees are just ignoring the chair of the Republican Party. That has never happened before in, in Idaho politics. The other thing that I've seen just in the last week or so, um, and Jack Dawson, um, I think, had a story on the NPR on this, is we've got outside groups, mm-hmm. uh, very wealthy people, trying to influence our legislative races. Now, we've always seen that in U.S. Senate races, congressional races, governor's races. We have never seen that kind of activity in uh legislative races we've got this cartoon of the chuck winder cartoon yes that that reminds me of uh what you probably remember the big john uh cartoon that uh uh ironically ralph smead and the founder of the freedom foundation ran uh during the 1982 election between phil Bad and john evans mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people, including Phil Batt, believe that that cartoon that, that smeared, smeared John Evans may have cost Phil Batt the election. Well, that was at the governor's level. Now we're seeing that same kind of thing at the legislative level, and that is unprecedented. I've never seen that before in Idaho politics. So we're seeing things now that, you know, and the money going into legislative races, I mean, we've never seen this. The other thing that's unique is that we've got a whole slate of far right candidates that are actually running as a slate. Mm -hmm. Um, We've never had Republicans, any wing of the Republican Party in Idaho run as a slate. Now, informally, the other side, the Brad Little side of the party, that's kind of a slate, too. But it's not an official slate like far right is. And and not as overt and not getting blanket endorsements from the county Republican Central Committees. Right, right, right. So, so I mean, we're really, this is, this is really an unprecedented election, I think. And, and the stakes in this election are extremely high. I think this election is what I call a stress test on the state of Idaho. We're really going to see what we're made of, uh, I think, in this election. Because of the events of the past couple of years, because of the external forces in these elections, because of the internal forces at the county level, all of the above? Absolutely. This is really uh, pitting what I call the Republican far right against the Republican uh, traditional establishment right of center Republican conservatives. And uh, we've never seen an election where the choices are so clear and the stakes are so high, in my opinion, as we're seeing in this primary election. But now Idaho voters are pretty notably and historically independent. Uh, they pride themselves on being independent thinkers, independent voters. So does that complicate things for a, a slate of candidates? Does it, you know, does it make it more well, difficult for a slate to win across the board? Well, Traditionally, you're absolutely right. Idahoans are extremely independent. I mean, we've seen elections, as you know, where they'll elect a Cecil Andrus and they'll elect a Steve Sims. 
or they'll elect a Frank Church and a Steve Sims, or they'll elect a George Hansen and a C. Slandris. I mean, historically, Idahoans are extremely independent, and they will go down the ballot and they'll vote different ways. And we might see a little of that in this election. Uh, we may see some, you know, some of the far right candidates actually break through, or some of the more establishment Republicans break through. But I don't think we've ever seen an election where the two Republican parties in Idaho are so, so different, and the choices are as clear as they are now. And um, so I do think this is a different breed of election. The other thing that makes this sort of a big unprecedented unknown is all the new people that have been moving into Idaho. Mm -hmm. And they've been moving into Idaho because they want to move to a conservative state, and they're actually bringing their politics with them and they actually don't, many of them don't think that the mainstream conservative Republicans in Idaho are conservative enough, even though we live in one of the most conservative states in the United States. So it's, this is really uncharted waters that our state is, is going through right now. And, but we'll know May 18th, I think, uh, you know, uh, where these uncharted water, waters are going to lead us. And in your view is, is this a one-off or is this the trend that you expect to see continue? Whether we're talking about the involvement at the county level, the increasing price of these legislative campaigns. And, and you're right. I mean, I look at some of these numbers like in the Senate race in District 1, the Senate race in District 15. Yeah, and those are just two that just jump off the page for me, but uh, not the only two. It's becoming a much more expensive race. Is this the, the pattern? Is this the template for the future? This is the template of the future, and Idaho's not an island. The same thing that we're seeing in Idaho is, is playing out all across the United States. The Republican Party in particular is trying to figure out what kind of party it wants to be. And all across the country, you've got mainstream conservative Republicans being challenged by far right, right Republicans. And so one of the things that we have to understand in Idaho is that our politics have now become nationalized. That it used to be that candidates would run on the issues that were important to Idaho, like water, like education, uh, things like that. But we have to understand now that we are in a new era where our elections are now nationalized. And especially our, since we're such a Republican state, especially our primary elections are nationalized. Mm -hmm. And that there are gonna be forces just like there are right now, especially at our legislative level and at our constitutional officer level, where outsiders and outside money and outside billionaires and millionaires are now trying to influence uh, our elections. And that's what I mean by nationalizing. The issues that they're, they're, they're pushing, the money that they're spending, uh, the organization that they have is all uh, what you might see on a national level in a U.S. Senate campaign or a, a, a congressional campaign or a presidential mm -hmm. campaign. But we're starting to see Nash, our elections now nationalized. And I don't think that's going to change. And it fundamentally changes who runs for a legislative seat, not, not in terms of the ideology necessarily, but it changes the kind of person in a stage of life, in a stage of career that is willing and able to run for legislature. If you feel like you have to raise $80,000 to win a legislative seat or $100,000 or wherever that price tag comes to, it's 
is it going to become less of a citizen's legislature when the price of admission goes up like that? Well, what really worries me, Kevin, about this is the quality of people that are willing to run for public office. Uh, how many people really want to have their reputation smeared? How many people want their life to be distorted? How many people want their family to be in the bullseye of, of this meanness that we now see in our politics? My, my biggest concern, besides the money that is now going to be spent on politics, is that the quality of the character of the candidates is going to diminish. Because people who have a reputation, have a career, have a good life, have a good family life, they, they're not going to want to put their families and, and their, their reputation through the meat grinder when our politics have become so ugly and the distortions are so ugly. So I'm more concerned that a lot of really, really good people are not going to be running for office. And that's what, you know, that character is more important oftentimes than ideology. Actually, it's more important than ideology or mm -hmm. policy differences. A character is the most important thing. And when people of strong character don't want to put themselves and their families through this, then they're not going to run. And then you've got the money where these outside interests are really trying to change Idaho's politics and they're spending big dollars. Uh, you know, you've covered politics a long time in Idaho. So, you know, heretofore, it was the IACIs and it was the local realtors groups and it was those people that were pouring money into campaigns and they still are, but it's really these outside uh, millionaires and billionaires who, who, um, who are coming in and spending this money. In many ways, Idaho has always been viewed as kind of a patsy state because it doesn't cost much to mm -hmm. pay for TV ads in Idaho. It doesn't cost much to run a campaign in Idaho. So oftentimes in US Senate races and governor's races, but mainly congressional level races, you've seen outside groups try to come in and influence our politics. The most notable example, that was the church Sims race in 1980, mm -hmm. where Nick Pack came in and spent tons of money in that race. But that was always at the national level, right? We've never seen it at the local level like it is. Um, and, and now we're starting to see it at the local level. That's not going to, in my, I don't think it's going to change, unfortunately. So representing a group of business leaders who care about education, some of the races that you're watching most closely, I would imagine, are pretty obvious. The state superintendent's race, the governor's race. Are there other races at the state level or the legislative race, uh, the legislative level that you're watching closely that maybe we're not talking about as much? Well, you know, you're right. Superintendent, we're watching closely. The governor's race, we're watching closely. Uh, we're watching a lot of legislative races closely because the legislature, as you know, controls education policy, education purse strings. So we're looking at races all across the board. Two races that I don't think are getting the attention they deserve are the Secretary of State's race, um, because that's going to determine whether we have fair honest elections down the road and the attorney general's race because the attorney general is an extremely important um, player in our state first of all they they employ the largest law yeah, firm it's a big law firm 
Yeah. The largest law firm. Uh, the attorney general, as all these previous attorney generals have written in guest opinions, that are they're supposed to be the people's lawyer. They're supposed to call the balls and strikes, watch out for the Constitution, not be driven by ideology, but be driven by the law and the Constitution. But, you know, if you get an attorney general who's an activist attorney general and they try to force their will, uh, their ideology on their attorneys who then force it on the state agencies and the governor and, and the legislature, then you've got a recipe for disaster there or let's at least say a long four years of chaos. And, and that race is extremely important for the future of Idaho and especially the near future of Idaho, the next four years. I just think about how many times we write about attorney general's opinions on education related legislation. And depending on who is the elected attorney general is going to dictate who is writing those opinions, who is the staff person who runs point on education related legislation, what those opinions uh, look like. Yeah. Well, you think about what the legislature has been doing. You know, I think Lawrence Wasden, this isn't an endorsement. Mm -hmm. It's just a, right. a fact, in my opinion, that he he's been pretty good at running uh, calling balls and strikes and looking at the Constitution. He's had to make some very tough decisions that are probably contrary to his personal political beliefs because it's the right thing to do. Uh, by virtue of the Constitution. but And that means the legislature has been spending millions and millions of dollars to go to try to defend their own laws, which unfortunately for the legislature have been repealed uh, uh, by the courts. But you could find yourself in the next four years where the governor himself uh, has to go out and hire outside counsel because mm -hmm. the attorney general is not giving him or her him, I guess, or her, if it's Dan's McKeachin, um, given the governor sound uh, legal advice on the issues. You, I think you could find over the next four years, the governor and the attorney general are at loggerheads. And I can't remember that ever being the case in Idaho uh, before. And I guess the, I, I mean, we've seen disagreements. I mean, I go back to oh, Governor sure. Otter and Attorney General Wasden over the, yeah. the broadband. Sure. contract. Yeah. Uh, they were yeah. definitely on different sides of the issue, but not to the point of we're not going to work together on any legal legal issues. Right. Or trust. Right. right. That's the most important thing. The, the, gov the governor has to trust the AG and vice versa. And if that trust, that bond of trust is broken, then what you've got is chaos. And then, you know, the, the attorney general who's supposed to represent the people of Idaho are really is really representing themselves, right? They're not representing the mm -hmm. Constitution or the law. They're representing their uh, their ideology. Uh, the conservatives are famous for talking about activist judges, right? But we can also have activist attorney generals. In fact, we've got one candidate that has defined himself that way. Right. So, I mean, what's the difference between an activist judge and an activist attorney general? Not much. So you've got a situation where uh, if that race turns out in one way, it's going to create legal chaos in our state. So you're always interested in education politics i'm always interested in education politics but in the big picture how much of this election is going to be about education as opposed to the economy or the past two years the, the pandemic the response to the pandemic mm -hmm. i mean 
Where does education fit into the continuum of issues? Well, I think what we, what the voters of Idaho have to understand, I think, is that this is a national election that we're seeing in May. Uh, yes, it's on May 17th, and yes, it's an Idaho election. But all you have to do is read the national press. All you have to do is read the local press from various states to know that that the far right of the Republican Party is challenging the mainstream traditional conservative wing of the party. And the far right has already learned that the pandemic is a, a crisis that should not be wasted. And education is tied up in that entire uh, far right narrative, uh, critical race theory, uh, uh, school choice, uh, um, diversity and inclusion, social justice, social emotional learning. The Republicans, the far right Republicans learned from the Virginia governor's race last year, they can run on being uh, against these things in education and win elections. So you're, you're basically seeing the playbook play out in Idaho and it is a playbook and it is not an Idaho organically bottom up thing. It is a out of state imposed on our state national election. And you're seeing the pandemic response, mass, no mass, vaccinations, no vaccinations, critical race theory, all this is tied up in the far right playbook. So it's all one and the same. And it's really important for Idahoans to understand that this is a national election. It's not a state election that we're seeing. It's a referendum on all these far right issues. And within the education space, it becomes a debate about education topics that we've seen play out on the national level. Not as much talk about learning loss or mental health issues. You know, student welfare, student success, two years removed from the pandemic. Well, the problem with this election, and I'm afraid it could be the, the way of the future, is that the issues that really touch people in Idaho, people like student, things like student achievement, things like uh, learning loss, things like the go on rate, uh, things like uh, local property taxes, things like housing, things that really touch the people of Idaho are not being addressed by any of the candidates. All you have to do is look, even the mainstream regular Republicans, just look at their campaign brochures. Everybody is fighting over these issues that are not really relevant to the daily lives of Idahoans. And so what happens, what happens? So it's one thing for all these non-issues to, to dominate an election, but when those non-issues then spill over into the legislative sessions, like you and I've seen, then what we've got is chaos. And what we've seen is the real issues that people are trying to deal with in their lives go unattended. And that's the real tragedy of this, um, is that these real issues are not being addressed. So last question, every election comes down to turnout. I mean, you know, we, we write that story every, every election cycle. How do you see all of this impacting turnout in this primary? What's your best guess on what you think it's going to look like next week? Yeah, I, I think I'm glad you raised this because I think turnout is very key to selection. If the turnout is low, 17 percent, like it was in 2020, I think you're going to see that the far right has a really good chance of winning. 
if you the higher the turnout, when more people get engaged, I think it's it's a sign that more mainstream Republicans are going to be in, engaged. And so I think a larger turnout is going to spell well for the 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 uh, mainstream traditional conservative Republican wing of the party. Low turnout is is going to probably favor the far right. So what I say is turnout and the mix of the turnout right. is going to be critical to the sex success. And so that's why I think it's really important. These races are going to be pretty close, most of them. That's why uh, I think it's really, really important for every Idahoan to go out and vote um, their conscience in, in the Republican primary, if, they're, if they vote Republican. Mm -hmm. Well, Rod, as always, it's great to get your perspective on the current situation, your historical perspective. Uh, we may be talking <laughs> on May 18th or pretty close, uh, close after. I'd enjoy that, Kevin. Thanks, Rod. Again, that was Rod Grammer, the CEO of Idaho Business for Education. If you are missing any coverage of this upcoming election, we have you covered at idahoednews.org. I have a detailed look at that fundraising that we talked about in the interview. Who raised the money? Who's spending the money? And what do we learn from campaign finance reports? Well, what can they tell us about the state of elections? And what can't they tell us? Uh, they're not always the best way to predict who's going to win or lose an election, but they do tell you a lot about what's happening in, a, in an election, and I explain that in my weekly analysis piece. Also, I have a very detailed breakdown of the dollars in the statewide races and in those key legislative races. also have a piece about the Idaho Education Association. They uh, made their endorsements in the 2022 elections. They didn't exactly publicly release their endorsements, but they didn't exactly hide them either. I explained that in my story. And we have very detailed breakdowns of some of the key legislative races around the state. Blake Jones has a closer look at the race in Rexburg in Madison County between Representative Ron Nate and former Representative Britt Raybould. Uh, Devin Bodkin has a piece about a race in Idaho Falls involving current Representative Barbara Ehart and former Representative Jeff Thompson. Uh, Sadie Dittenberg has a story uh, about a contested race in the West Treasure Valley. This involves two sitting legislators who are now running in the same district because of legislative redistricting. That would be Representatives Judy Boyle and Scott Syme. Boyle sits on the House Education Committee. Syme sits on the Joint Finance Appropriations Committee. So that's a race with some definite education implications. That'll get you caught up for this week and check in with us next week. We'll have wall-to-wall -wall coverage of the elections. We'll have live coverage on Tuesday night. We'll have the numbers. We'll have the results. We'll have reactions. And we will break it down even further in the days to come after Tuesday's elections. And I have a feeling that the podcast next week will talk about the elections and what happened and what it all means and how it all plays out heading into the fall. I, I have a feeling that's where the podcast is going to go. I can't make any promises, but I have a pretty strong feeling about it. Until then, I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week.